we're going to go three for three and uh, in terms of opening the show with basically um, scraping the bottle of the barrel um, with just using tweets that have gone viral <laughs> and repurposing those for our um, our uh, ad-free radio program. So you with me? I think that's what the people tune in for, yeah. Okay. So you'll put a link to the tweet uh, for me in the show notes. I don't know if this was the original tweet just because the the like ratio like it, it's it's got 5.7 5.7 thousand 5700 retweets or comments and 5400 likes so i don't know that that seems low for a viral tweet so i'm not sure if this is the original the og tweet but uh gail simone asks uh what's a movie that you hate but everybody else loves and her response uh to this question was the breakfast club so you have an answer ready to go I have several that I can cycle through, but I want you to go since you you believe steadfastly in your in your answer. Yeah, I'm passionate about my answer. When you sent me this tweet, I knew immediately what my response was going to be. Okay. So I will send you the I guess I'll send you the IMDB page for this movie. So this is this is Mad Max Fury Road. Came out in twenty fifteen. I don't know if you remember much about this, but everybody was just losing their minds for this movie. It's a 97% on Rotten Tomato. And even worse... Singular? Hmm? You said Rotten Tomato? Oh, Rotten Tomatoes. Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure if like an individual movie page was just a single Rotten Tomato. Because <laughs> that actually no, seems like a very ripe movie. Mm, yes. Okay. So that's that's infuriating. And to make matters worse, it was nominated for something like 10 or 11 Oscars. And it won, I think, six and was even nominated for Best Picture, although it fortunately didn't win that. Uh, but in the midst of this movie just being kind of what everybody was talking about, I you know went and, and saw it in theaters. And it's it's probably the worst movie I've ever seen. Like I'm I'm really not exaggerating with that. I like halfway through was thinking like, is there going to be like a M Night Shyamalan twist or something here that's going to like all of a sudden make this movie good, or are we just going to basically just do this whole thing the whole time? And it was very much the latter it's a terrible terrible movie but everybody loves it so i have a couple of questions and a couple of bits of of follow-up or response to it so i always seem to confuse this movie with in terms of another movie that i feel like maybe got too much acclaim but it kind of blend, blurs together for me and it might just be that they're contemporary movies uh is there a movie called baby driver yes and that's a very good movie is there a reason? Like, do they share some actors? Why Why am I lumping those two together? I mean, both involve a lot of driving, I suppose. Very different type of driving, but that's about the only thing I can think of. Gotcha. Yeah, I, 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 I've been avoiding this movie just because, one, I feel like I, it seems like a violent movie that I wouldn't really enjoy. But also, like, I don't, I don't get, yeah, what, what's, what's, because it feels like it's not a story-heavy movie. It just seems like it's a, a Michael Bay movie, but not Michael Bay fair yeah no totally and again like with with everybody being so just 
you know, into it, I, I kept expecting there to be just some type of twist or something. But no. And and the other thing about it, too, is that everybody raved at, like, the visual effects and how well it was shot. And I didn't think any of that was particularly impressive either. So I, I just, there's nothing about this movie that does anything for me. But I'm, I feel like I'm totally alone in that view. Yeah, that's okay. People didn't have to everybody. Uh, the one bit of fall or the one thing I will say about this movie is, um, send you a link and I have to be really, I figure out how to turn off the sounds in Slack. Cause since we're trying a fix for our ongoing audio issue where you, uh, while we're recording this are almost entirely inaudible. Uh, when you sent me that Slack notification, it was definitely loud. So we're going to hopefully not share too many links, but uh, the only thing related to Mad Max that I do like is that there's a, a famous corgi that lives in New York City, and her name is Maxine, and her Instagram username is Mad Max Fluffy Road. So that's pretty good. Yeah, this is probably the only good thing to come out of that movie. <clears throat> so I'm trying to think of what mine is. There's a lot of movies, and I'm gonna—I'm just gonna rattle off a whole bunch of them because I don't have one that I guess I feel that strongly about. But there's a whole lot of movies that I actually there actually is one that I, I feel strongly about. I hate Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Have you ever seen that? I have, but not for a very long time, and I recall being neutral towards it. Yeah, really, really, really dislike it. Like, I mean, Matthew Broderick overall, he's had like a good acting career and it's got some interesting musical choices. But like I, overall, I just hate it. I, I hate smarmy, rich teenagers. Like, I, I don't ever find any movie where that is the focal character to be um, entertaining. And then another one that actually, they're not really related. I really dislike the Home Alone movies. Specifically, the first one, which I think is almost universally liked, um, not a fan at all, and I and I don't understand why people like it because again, uh, an oddly violent movie, not a protagonist that you really want to root for. It's just yeah, it's a it's a it's, it's a bad movie. Hmm, okay, yeah, we disagree on that one. I do like Home Alone. So why do you why do you like it? It's it's funny. It's entertaining. Is it? I mean, I haven't seen it in, I mean, geez, who knows, 15 years, so. Is is Joe Pesci step, uh, stepping on rusty nails and getting hit in the face with an iron? Is is that is that good movie? Maybe it doesn't hold up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and also, isn't the whole point, like, I like, and also the premise doesn't make any sense where the family just leaves their kid, forgets their kid for, like, four days? Like, I know the 1990s were different, but, like, that just seems like one of the parents would just go back home or call like i i mean i don't i'm not sure if there are plot holes here or something but it just seems seems not good well i think there's i think it's like a trilogy right there's one or two other movies after the original and i i don't remember all the details but i think they they basically sort of forget him again which (laughs) seems even more unlikely yeah so yeah not good are there any any others um you know, I I don't have I like as we've covered on the show routinely. I don't have a ton of um, like a, a large breath or like a lot of movies in my in my watched canon. 
is that a, is that a phrase i only hear i hear people talk about that with the star war but um i feel like a lot of movies from the 80s do not hold up and they're exceedingly problematic by today's standards which is actually why this person calls out the breakfast club because i think that was also like just a super racist movie in in the end yeah i don't know well, do you have any backup picks or is that pretty much it i mean that was just i'm still thinking about that movie now i'm i'm, I'm getting upset recalling um everyone's love of that movie i can't i can't think about it anymore and i can't think of any other movies because i'm I'm too consumed by mad max got it all right um i may jump back to this topic as things occur to me but we will move on to follow up uh in the interest of time so do you want to give me a quick rundown on what's happening in uh sports ball land yeah, so I think I don't know if this will be a weekly segment every other week, but I think for at least a you know a period of time here, sports is by no means the most important thing going on in the world, but just sort of an an interesting story that's playing out. And I think the best way to to talk about sports and sort of their their return uh, since the shutdown is sort of comparing what all the different leagues are doing. And we, we've, you know, we've talked about the setups of each of the major four sports in the U.S. Uh, in the past. But I think their current status can sort of be best summarized as bubble versus no bubble, where the NBA and the NHL have both gone a number of weeks now with no positive COVID tests the NBA season starts tomorrow. The NHL season starts on Saturday. By all accounts, things are going really, really well in both leagues. Baseball, on the other hand, which was staunchly against the bubble approach, has now had an entire team, the Miami Marlins, have to postpone all of their games for a week because they've had, I mean, the number actually keeps increasing every day. I think they're up to 15 or 16 players and a couple of members of their staff who have all tested positive. Uh, there were also there was also another game on Monday that had to be postponed because the team who the uh, Marlins had been playing, I think the Phillies, they obviously all had to be retested. And you know, this was all happening on like literally the fifth day of of the season. And I think and I'm not the first one to say this, but it's it seems like this is going to be a sort of a foreshadowing of things to come with the NFL, where the problem might even be magnified given just the nature of the sport and the close contact you come in with other players, which obviously you don't get nearly the same amount of in baseball. And then also just you know the size of the rosters. I mean, I think a uh, uh, an NFL roster is probably about double the size of a MLB roster. So it seems like we're headed towards kind of a conclusion that if you want to play sports during a pandemic, you have to go the bubble route and any, anything short of that's just, just not going to work. Yeah. So do you think the, the, uh, the MLB is going to be able to put this behind them or like, because well, we, we, we talked on a previous episode about what's kind of the threshold for when they call it quits on the experiment for any of them. And this seems they've only had like four or five days of play, right? 
Yeah, I mean, the opening day was last Thursday, and this all happened on Monday. So they were, it was like the fifth fifth day of the season. Yeah, so I, I haven't been paying much attention, but what's the the read on if how bad this looks? I mean, I like I think I think it's objectively bad, but in terms of jeopardizing the already truncated season, when when do they do they if it becomes this much of an issue, do they just be like, okay, the Marlins can't play anymore, or do they? cancel the remainder of the season like if this gets worse like what's what's the cutoff do you think well the stories that were coming out on monday indicated that canceling or at least postponing the season right then and there on monday was on the table and you know that ended up not happening there were many other games that that happened on monday and and the season you know, outside of the Marlins has largely gone on as usual this week. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess I would probably say that if if this were to happen to a, maybe a couple of other teams, maybe even just one more team, especially if it happens in like the next two weeks or so, it just starts to seem like that becomes kind of untenable. Yeah. Well, we might get another good episode of the Daily out of it. So, <laughs> all, um, all comes around. The other thing I wanted to highlight here, and we'll have a lot more to say on this um, as you know, as these seasons uh, continue, or at least in the case of basketball and hockey, we'll see if the baseball season continues. But um, I kind of wanted to give some initial impressions just of the TV viewing experience. Have you have you watched any of this stuff yet? To be honest, no. I've seen some stuff come across. Uh, well, I saw I saw uh, so strictly related to baseball. I saw like the bench, uh, the dugouts clear because some pitcher and uh, hitter got into some words, and that seems like um, uh, what's the thing that Jody's always talking about, like a mass spreader event or something. Like it seems like uh, dugout fights are really. Um, ill-advised in this time so that that seemed like oh yeah this the the baseball season's going to be um quite short but other than that no i saw i've seen reports of the whole like they're going to have like a, a zoom call or they're gonna have like a microsoft teams based thing in the mlb or sorry in the nba and i've already seen some pictures on twitter of the um the bears and the uh cardboard cutouts at angels games but i have not watched any yeah so i think so with basketball, which is what I've seen the most of so far, they've, they've been playing some exhibition games over the past week. And I would say the TV viewing experience is largely pretty good. Um, they're doing something that I didn't really expect them to do, or at least didn't really think anything about, which is, you know, even though they're playing at a neutral site, they still have a designated home team and road team. And whoever is the home team, all of the screens which surround the court, which I guess we should preface this by kind of explaining too, that you know you basically just have a, a regular court and it's just surrounded by these big, you know, LCD screens. That's kind of the, the general setup. And for the home team, they basically you know, they play some of the music that comes from, you know, that's normally played in their home arena. All of the video and graphics in the background are all related to the home team. So, you know, at least from like a TV perspective, you, you sort of get the vibe that 
the home team is playing in kind of like maybe not their you know own arena but at least something that's um sort of <laughs> sort of like home i guess um but you know i i think overall with with what i've seen so far I mean, the thing that basketball has going for it, and actually the same is true of um, of hockey, which I've also seen a little bit of this week, is, you know, you don't usually see a lot of the fans normally. Like, just during the course of a game, most of the screen is taken over by, you know, the court or the rink. And so you're not reminded quite as frequently or as starkly that, you know, there are no fans there. And the NHL is actually doing something uh, really neat. And I, I guess the NBA is too, although I haven't really had a chance to see this, which is, you know, they're kind of playing around with some unique camera angles and things. And I think what the NHL is doing um, is really, really neat. Um, it's the, the camera sort of has a little bit more like almost motion to it, or it, it's sort of at a, just at a, a kind of a, a different angle that I guess you probably wouldn't even be able to get. Um, you know, if, if there were fans there, um, but with, with baseball, you know, because you're either just seeing a ton of empty seats or you're seeing seats with cardboard cutouts or stuffed animals or whatever, like there's just this constant reminder that there are no fans there. And so it's, it's, it's a lot more jarring. So I think so far, basketball and hockey, just in addition to their bubble setup, kind of seemingly being the superior way to go, I think also the TV viewing experience is a lot better than baseball. Yeah, that's that's weird. Again, as somebody who's who's watched none of it, it feels like baseball would be the easiest to ignore because it just kind of feels like with a, with like all of um, what are the what are the stadium stadiums called? Like uh, AT and T Park is an example. Is it a, is it a retro stadium? Uh, I don't think, I don't think phone company park would be called a retro stadium now. Yes, it, oh, it, it is. So apparently this was, uh, where did the Baltimore Orioles play? Camden Yards. So there's a whole thing where in the nineties and the two thousands, there was kind of a retro ballpark movement where they kind of oriented themselves on the edges of like the downtown areas of cities and they have kind of a throwback look to them. But anyway, so, but on TV, it feels like those don't like that just the enormity of the ballpark, whether or not there are people there that kind of would fade into the background because so much of it is like just a close up on the pitcher and the batter that only when there's actually some exciting play happening, would you really get wide enough to see that? But again, I have no frame of reference to talk about that. So that's, that's neither here nor there. But, um, so since it's all just been, they'd be called exhibition games or preseason games. Well, it's obviously not preseason but what what is it called of what the NBA has been doing thus far? They've been referring to them as exhibition games. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, are they doing that Microsoft Teams thing yet? Or is it basically, because in the clips I've seen, they on the, like the screens that are replacing where, um, like the, the seats would be, they've just had like gigantic logos of the teams that are playing those games. So have they started doing the fan thing yet? They have started doing the fan thing yet. It doesn't. It seems to be used sort of here and there based on the the bits that I've seen. And I would imagine that it's something that they'll sort of continue to tweak um, as the season goes on. But you're right. Yeah, most of the time it seems to just be you know big images of the home team's logo. 
yeah so we'll see and i don't know who knows maybe i'll maybe i'll be, this will have me become a hockey fan yeah i would it's so that starts on saturday I'd, I'd recommend tuning in at least just for a few minutes because my i, I want to watch more of it because i'm I've only i've only seen a few minutes myself but the little bit that i have seen really does make it look like the the presentation is going to be um really nice well that's always been the the knock against hockey is that because the um the puck is so small it's sometimes hard to follow the action or you kind of just don't really understand like like there's a lot of movement on on the ice but you're kind of not necessarily sure where you should be focusing on and there's very rapid jarring camera movements where that sometimes is a little bit off-putting for somebody who's not super tuned into the game yeah that there's there's no question that hockey has the biggest um well it's biggest positive difference between seeing it on tv versus seeing it in person i mean football kind of has the the opposite problem where you know football is is well from a presentation standpoint at least good on tv but <laughs> very very bad in person it's it's impossible to follow what's happening in a football game when you're there live well yeah f- football seems like it'd be like going to a taylor swift concert and being anywhere but like in the first like five rows exactly like just because it's, it's like otherwise you're just watching it on tv because like that don't at all concerts like they just put the performer up on like two giant screens and that's basically the only way you could see the like the act on stage yeah exactly it's, it's literally impossible otherwise like taylor swift looks like a I don't, like a lego or something from wherever you're standing <laughs> all right you got anything else uh anything else on sports no, I think we'll uh, we'll check uh, probably check back in next week because we'll actually have um, some some real basketball and hockey games to talk about, and we might be talking about the end of the baseball season. Who knows? Here, here. Um, actually, uh, one last thing on sports follow up, uh, and this has a bit of a crossover into uh, coffee territory. So I accidentally left. Um, used coffee grounds in the portafilter in my espresso machine for about three days have you ever done that before not for that long i've left i think i've left it overnight maybe once but yeah the little the used grounds became a very 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 rigid puck to the point where i actually think that could be used in a a hockey game so if they do (laughs) need to save money i am willing to send that to to the san jose sharks well, they're they're not participating in the uh, continuation of the season, but oh, I thought I thought it was the Warriors that weren't playing, but the Sharks were in. Or is the Bay just out of all sports? Basically, the, the Bay is just out of all sports. Basically, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, because it doesn't count for for baseball because uh, Buster's not there. He's just uh, getting to go at Pico every day. <laughs> um. Cool. All right. So, what else do we have? Actually, this this is more of just like an offhand media thing. I put this in the show notes, but um, did you or in the uh, the ideas document? But I'll send you the link again. Did you see this or did you read this? So the article is from the New York Times. It's under the real estate section, uh, turning a second home into a primary home, and it's basically a story about people who live in the the New York area who have, because of anxieties about the pandemic. Uh, have uh, tried to move into their summer or vacation houses and uh, the struggles that these people are having with that arrangement. So did did you read this or skim it? I have not, no. Okay, it's okay. It's it's for the better. But I guess my, my question, because there's, there's a whole bunch of these that come out all the time where it's 
kind of the thought pops into your head, um, like, do the people who are being profiled in this know how they come off? Is this being written with total sincerity? I guess my, my question to you or, or for the audience at large, and, and please, please at Ryan on this, but is it, are these articles written by the times and the post and the, in the journal as like clickbait for like to hate read? Or do you think everybody participating in this is doing so in good faith and it's not supposed to be a like hashtag eat the rich type situation? <laughs> it's a fair question. I, I really couldn't tell you what the purpose of or who the audience is for an article like this. Like there's, there's a 0% chance I would ever devote any time or energy into something like this. I can't even read everything that I, that I want to read, let alone. Well, but, but, that, but that's, like that's the beauty of it or that, or that's, that's the, um, the evilness of it is that or I guess maybe you're, you're a better person than I, but, uh, this, like something that's so irritating or, or trollish that will just consume you. So you will hate read it before you do what you're actually supposed to do. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a, that's a good skill to have. So kudos to you because as part of this article, <laughs> uh, this is, uh, profiling Michelle Smith who lives on the, the upper West side, who went to her uh, weekend home in Hudson Valley full time. Uh, and Mrs. Smith spends her days working from her bedroom, locking the door when she doesn't want to be disturbed, while during the school year, Dylan, her son, attends classes on Zoom from the butler pantry. It's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there, as you would say. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm <clears throat> I'm leaning towards that this is intentional, and they know that this is going to get a lot of shares on social. And it's kind of like the whole, like there was, a, there was an article where the Ayn Rand Institute took a PPP loan. Like, I think like there's so much of that stuff where it's basically just, it's, it's, it's hate reading. It's the same, same reason why a lot of people like hate watch Rachel Maddow or Tucker, Car uh, Tucker Carlson. Not that they're the same, but in certain ways they're the same. I would assume having not really spent much time in this section of the New York Times, I would assume the entire real estate section is is kind of bad is that is that fair not not necessarily but there's there's a whole lot of them where i don't know it's weird what the times dedicates resources to like they did a whole thing we're not going to talk about this but you remember the thing where there was that one lady who no we're not gonna talk about it but they it's it, 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 I, it's, it's strange where they devote their time and attention and a lot of the stuff, like you're not really, you, nobody who's reading this came from, oh, I want to check out the real estate section of the times. It said it was shared on, it was hate shared on Facebook or like, I found this from the official at NY times Twitter account. Like normally when I'm looking at the times, it's the homepage trying to visually pretend that the opinion section isn't taking up a third of the screen or I'm just looking at the business section, but that's that's pretty much it. I'm closing this tab. Yeah, uh, I don't. I do one one bit of uh, positive news, or not positive news, but um, thumbs up to the Times. I do like on their homepage where they have a very clear visualization charts all the time of kind of trends in the U.S. around COVID hospitalizations and and deaths. And I know it's a very weird thing to say, but it's a very succinct and easy to read little like info panel. No, I mean, I, it, it's a good call out because getting 
good and easy to digest information, I think, has been surprisingly difficult during the whole pandemic. And I, I agree with you that the, I think the New York Times probably is um, just about the best at that. Yeah. And if they want, they can increase the subscription costs by $5 a month if there was a checkbox to turn off the opinion section. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Uh, what else do we have in follow up? Oh, well, actually, here's, what, here's one thing. So um, we had talked maybe two or three months ago about like battery packs and kind of uh, preparedness uh, planning for the upcoming fire season, which is probably not getting a whole lot of media attention for for a good reason. But we're kind of up against that time where in Northern California, especially in kind of the September to November time frame, it gets really windy. And for a multitude of other reasons, that puts us at extreme fire risk. So you, I think, took something off your Amazon wish list, or you you pulled the trigger on something because that's coming up. I wasn't really on my wish list because this is really a purchase that I didn't want to have to make. Um, it's like a it's a purchase that I hope I literally never have to use it. Like that would actually be a good thing. Um, but anyway, so th- this is the. A wire cutter's pick for best portable power station, which I sort of think of. It's it's probably not like a super precise analogy, but I basically think of this as like an electric generator. Like I, I know that it's it does not operate in the same way that a true generator does, but basically instead of putting gas into this little box and then you know, which then has a couple of plugs that you can plug stuff into to power. This is just an absolutely enormous battery. You know, think basically a, a uninterruptible power supply, but way, way larger and with um, much more output capability. And so, you know, my my thinking these last few weeks is, you know, since last year, you know, there's been, you know, kind of a handful of things that have that have changed. I mean, one is that we went through the experience that we did last year, which, you know, at least for us in the Marin area was sort of the the first time that we've that we've had to deal with a fire related extended power outage. And then, you know, now we've obviously got the pandemic going on and i mean everything that i've read has indicated that this could be an even worse fire season just given the general lack of rain we had this last year and the warm temperatures we've had um and then obviously you know in my personal life with the new the new housemate you know i've got a lot more to to think about in terms of preparedness around around the house so anyway you put all those things together and i thought something like um a generator made a lot of sense but the idea of of having this uh, like a gas power generator that i have to like keep cans of gas for and then like stick it in my backyard and like snake an extension cable into the house and it's super loud and all that i just that never quite appealed to me um so i think i think this power station is going to be the um the kind of peace of mind, at least, um, that'll make me feel a little bit better going into fire season. Well, good. 
And uh, do you mind sharing what, because I remember when we originally talked about it, it was, and wishlist, sorry, going back a couple of minutes, wishlist was probably the wrong word. Do you, do you ever use the Amazon section where it's just safe for later, just for random stuff you're thinking about and occasionally checking if there's a price drop? Occasionally, yeah. Yeah, so let's use that. But yeah, but this, this the one of the things that you held off for, I believe, was that the, this was fairly costly, especially yeah. compared to a cheap gas mm-hmm. generator that, while it requires maintenance, is fairly inexpensive. Um, well, actually, no. I think a comparable gas generator, and I, you know, don't at me, I'm not some expert on this stuff, but from the research I had done, it seemed like a comparable gas generator would have been maybe about $1,000. So this, this was, was 1400. So, so, I mean, yeah, a, a fair bit, a fair bit more for sure. Um, oh yeah, there, there is a big range at Home Depot, you know, it ranges from like 3000, but, the, or sorry, 3000, 300 on the cheap end, but it looks like most of the ones that are well-reviewed or have a decent amount of power for gas generators are in the, uh, eight to 1200 range. Yeah. I, I think, I think if I say a thousand is even maybe on the lower to, to mid range. Um, but actually that, so this 1400 isn't going to really be the total cost. So the other thing that I find appealing about these power stations is they can be recharged via solar. So in the event of an extended power outage and you deplete this thing, you actually have the ability to um, charge it via solar panels. And what I discovered, which is really nice, is that so EcoFlow, the company who who makes this thing, you know, they sell their own solar panels but they're they're very expensive they're like four hundred dollars each and to have this thing recharge in any sort of like reasonable amount of time you really need at least two of those because with one i think it takes like 15 to 30 hours of sunlight for it to recharge which is you know not particularly useful but it turns out that the connector that the that your solar power panels, uh, solar panels rather connect to is sort of this universal type um, connector, They'd the USB of solar panels, if you will. And so you can buy third party solar panels that are a bit more powerful and like half the price. So I'll be doing that eventually too, but um, need to do a little bit more uh, due diligence, as you would say, uh, before I make that purchase. Gotcha. Well, Hopefully you never have to use it, but good to be prepared. Yeah, and I, I I like the flexibility with this thing too. Like obviously, you know, the primary way that you charge it is by plugging it into the wall, and it actually can recharge up to eighty percent within like an hour. It's got that kind of like fast recharge thing that like a lot of smartphones and stuff have now. So I mean, even if you maybe could get somewhere that did have power and you could just plug in for a short period of time during an extended outage at home. Like that's one option you have. Um, You can also charge this through your car. So either through my car or the lady friend's car, we could, we could recharge it that way. Um, Or again, through solar panels. So I like the flexibility with the recharge options. It's got a, it's got a ton of ports and plugs on it. It's got, uh, four USB-A ports, two USB-C ports. It's got six plugs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I hope, again, hope that I basically just never have to use this thing. But, um, 
having having the peace of mind is uh is worth a lot especially especially this year yeah i, I mean again it's got it's gotten lost in all the the other media coverage but i feel like pg has said a couple of times in the past few months that even with all the stuff going on the what, what were they called psps's yep yeah that those are still definitely going to be a thing just because i mean for liability reasons for them and also just if for what got to happen so yeah I, I feel like it's more likely than not that you will have to use it hopefully not as a result of some catastrophe but in terms of like planned or reactive um outages that seems probably like a safe bet right and also i mean you know so there's a huge range of these power stations i mean th- this this ecoflow delta 1300 is definitely near the the very top end of the range but i mean these things also basically go down to being like high-end UPS units. So they go all, you know, down to like a couple hundred dollars. Um, it might be worth, you know, for you to look into something like this just because like, you know, not to, not to give too much away about your, your home setup, but a, a gas generator for you would not even be a possibility. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a small, like, cause I don't, like, I just don't feel, or like, I don't, cause I, like I've considered it. Just because, like, as I'm splitting my schedule with a, a significant amount of it is still home-based work and and other things, like, it's one, it's very costly, and also I just with my setup, I don't really know how much stuff I could effectively plug into it. Because, like, your main one of your main things was that you liked that you could basically power your fridge off of it. Like, if it, you had like another like four or five day outage, right? Yeah, fridge, and the other big thing for us is we have a tankless water heater. So if we have power, we can also have instant hot water. So that's the other thing this will be really nice to to have for. And actually, you bring up a good point about work, which is totally something I meant to bring up too, which is different about this year, which is I will in all likelihood be working full-time from home during this whole fire season. So having the ability to you know continue to have you know my computer <laughs> uh, powered during the day is uh is super important yeah so i mean with that so i have i think it's called the anchor powerhouse i might be making that up but i have one of these that's significantly smaller like it's still i think like eighty thousand watt hours or something like it, it'll recharge a macbook pro like six times so i think for that that would actually work just i feel like in, in my situation if there was ever an extended outage like i would just have to call the fridge a loss like i mean that that's not as big of a priority for me versus something that could recharge a bunch of phones and laptops and mobile hotspots and things like that um and you can plug ac things into it if you absolutely had to so if i had to try to plug in the the router and modem to do like a big download before comcast stuff dies like that would probably work but i think in my setup like it's it's if it gets that bad, I'm not sure that's actually gonna gonna save me in an apartment setup. So, yeah, probably not. Yeah, that's fair. Mine does have the option of solar charging, but I've given like I just again with with my cozy apartment, I don't really know where I would put all that extra stuff because the solar panel thingies are like they fold fairly compactly, but not not really. Yeah, no, you'd you'd have I think probably a a tough time setting those up. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's not that bad this year. But 
with everything this year, everything has been that bad and and much worse. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, whoa, speaking of which, wow, that, that was an unintentionally great tragic segue. So we have some more Corona talk. Um, so if you think, so kind of, kind of go back to what you were saying, uh, Google has extended their work from home plans for almost all employees through basically a year from now. So through summer of 2021, they expect um, nobody to be returning to to offices. Yeah, I mean, I think that that sort of matches with with my priors, where I've been sort of mentally thinking, I was thinking about this a few weeks ago during the 4th of July holiday, thinking that if 4th of July 2021, if things were mostly on their way back to normal, I will consider that to be a success. Yeah. Let freedom ring. All right. Um, CES is going online only for 2021. Meh. I mean, like, because for the type of technology that we're into, that hasn't actually been a relevant thing in quite a while. I mean, like, one, like for cameras and things like that, Sony doesn't ever use anything for that. Video game companies don't use CES anymore. Samsung and Apple don't use CES. So I'm not really sure what actually happens at CES anymore. Um, but for what it's worth, that which normally happens in uh, Las Vegas in the start of the year, that is not going to be a, an in-person thing next year. Well, the other reason this was a, a headline too was because they had made some news a month and a half or two months ago at this point where they had announced their intention of having CES 21, 2021 being basically just their normal event. So like a totally you know in-person event in Las Vegas. Um, and obviously, I think, I, I know the reason in, in our notes, I put this Google story and um, the CES story together is I think there's sort of finally a realization not certainly not a universal realization but at least a a a more prevalent realization that this is not a four week or an eight week or even a quarter long problem like this is this is going to go on for for a while yep all right no i think that's it um cool so what what new business do we have this week so we we kind of have to go back to sports Unless you unless you were going to take us in a different direction. No, okay, we, we can talk about Seattle's new team first, but I was actually going to push forward uh, the other big purchase that you made recently. But no, I, I want to talk about, because I'm actually very excited, as excited about this. Um, I'm not excited about hockey or actually anything else, but I very much like the brand that is being associated with this brand new NHL franchise that is debuting, which is going to be for the uh, Seattle area which is the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. Which I only know from, I think we did with the last, wait, did this come up on a different episode? I feel like we've talked about the fact that I only know that name because there was a movie that I have not watched that said release the Kraken. (laughs) And that's literally all I know. And I don't know if a Kraken is a thing or if it's a mythological thing or if it's just a character in that movie. It's a mythological creature. Okay, like a Poseidon. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's a good guess. All right, it's a better name than Golden Knights, so and probably less less evil and gross because they're not from Las Vegas. So, mm-hmm. and they're all going to wear uh, nice sweaters because they're from Seattle. 
So yeah, so this is, uh, they're going to start playing next season or the season after? The season after. Hmm. Oh, so they don't get to play till 2022. Right, which is, you know, basically going to be the same year that all other teams get to play normally again. Gotcha. Um, and so we'll we'll get into it. And you can, so the other question is, there was a story a couple of weeks ago about there's a new sports arena or stadium going up or being refurbished in the Seattle area that used to be called Key Bank Arena. Is am I making that up? Yeah, they, uh, I think it um, Key Arena is is what it used to be called. Like when the Seattle SuperSonics, the NBA team, were there, and those and then, used to be the the Thunder. No, they are currently the Thunder. Well, yeah, yeah. So the the super the Thunder used to be the SuperSonics, correct? And then Starbucks dudes sold them, correct? Okay. Uh, but this is the so the Key Arena. This is the one that's being called the like Amazon Climate Pledge Arena. Is that right? It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love that name because it's 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 only a pledge. It's not like we're actually going to do anything about climate change. It's just when you go here, you're going to be reminded that we're all going to be really hot and probably die sooner than we need to. That's a very weird name for an arena. I, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. <laughs> um, yeah, so weird. But it, but it is the naming rights are owned by Amazon, right? I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. So where do does somebody go? So there's two places. There's the under consideration blog that did a good deep dive onto the new brand. And actually, I think it's probably just if you Google Seattle Kraken, because uh, you brought this up in Slack where it had a brand evolution thing similar to the the Pepsi universe thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Well, this is this is on the official seattlecrackenhockey.com website, which is what I'll put in the notes and they have a logo anatomy. There we go. Which um and this whole website is is extraordinarily well designed. But I mean I I particularly appreciated this section because the level of detail they share um it's just it's just really fascinating yeah and the one the one call that i will give on this website is you know how like most apple product pages do that thing where they hijack the scrolling on your mouse to make animations happen right this one does that but in a very not obnoxious way and and if and it flows really well so like the the major part of this that i really like is one the graphics and the logo are really, really smart and actually very, very beautiful to look at. They did a whole ton of stuff that makes it actually resonate with the locality. Uh, it, it incorporates a ton of stuff about the whole like port city and water centricity of the Seattle Sound area um, or the Puget Sound region. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's put in plain English, but it but it gives enough of a nod to kind of the the marketing and brand nerd person who wants to explain every bit about why what all of something they put like two years into is actually really, really, really clever. Yeah. This is all really well thought out, really well designed. And this will probably be one of the last times you'll ever hear me say anything nice about this team because they're going to be in the same division as the sharks. So I'm, I'm not going to like this team. Well, <laughs> the sharks could go back to their old arena name and that way they would have because right now the sap center and climate change arena those that's a toss-up of who has the better name but if it goes back to hp pavilion i think that's a, a slam dunk win the be best arena name in sports 
Yes. Uh, do we know, and also to be tough to beat, S.J. Sharky, what do we have a, a look or a preview on what the mascot is going to look like? Because it seems like a really weird or difficult thing to make into something a human wears as a suit. That, so it's funny you bring that up because this, this Kraken name has been kind of the, the front runner in the um, uh, NHL uh, rumor mill, which I know, Carlos, you, you're, you're plugged right into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me and Stephen um, Smith. <laughs> that's right uh and the the night before the announcement became official it, it really there were there was a lot of rumors out there that that kraken was going to be the name and i had mentioned this to the the lady friend and that was her her main question or reason that she was skeptical of that is she heard the first thing she said was well what, like what's their mascot going to be like a big squid because that's that's you know basically what a kraken is um, and I, I didn't have a good answer to that. So I don't have a good answer to, to your question either because they have not, um, they have not talked about the, the mascot yet. Gotcha. Yeah. The, the, the mascot could just be like a gigantic Amazon echo that walks around and makes sea <laughs> noises. So, um, so yeah, beautiful website, cool name or not cool name, but I mean, really cool design. Okay. Name like it's, 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 there's way worse names in sports. And I, I don't know if you noticed this. I don't know if you if you scroll down to the I guess this is the game day section of the website. They have sort of a rendering of what this climate pledge arena is going to look like. The really interesting thing with the renovation that they're doing is so they're 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 increasing seat capacity, but they're not actually changing the height of the building. They've they've actually dug lower into the ground. So you can actually kind of see this in the rendering where even the very top bowl where fans are is still basically lower than like the adjacent building, which is um, which is just kind of interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, who, who are they allegedly playing against? Because they obviously have an opposing team here. That kind of looks like San Jose Sharks players. Uh, sort of, it's, it's not, I don't think it's really meant to be a specific team. Well, I like that you can already buy your, um, release the Kraken gear. Oh, and the best part about this is, uh, sorry, going back to the logo, um, that the, their secondary logo, which is kind of, um, uh, like a nautical anchor looks just like the space needle. I think that's cute as hell. Yeah, that's, it's, this is all, this is all very well designed. And just like with Gritty, somebody already got a tattoo of it, and the team doesn't even exist yet. So, <laughs> America, even though you fail in so many other things, you don't disappoint here. <laughs> Our history in the Great Ice Game goes as deep as the Puget Sound. Well done. All right, can you tell me about you? You got a self-emptying Roomba, or or you 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 have a you have a new fancy housemate. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> an- another new housemate. Um, so this is, I'm actually pulling forward another unprecedented move here on the show. I'm pulling forward my chef special this week. Um, and I've, I've waited to, to pull this out as a chef special, both because I wanted to turn this into a bit of a longer topic. And also I just really wanted to make sure this thing kind of did what it was advertised to do, which I felt, you know, took a little bit of a time to, to really confirm, but it, but it totally does spoiler alert. Um, so this is the 
Roomba i7 Plus. So the i7 is is the vacuum, and the the plus designation indicates that it comes with the automatic dirt disposal base, which empties the vacuum um, each time um, the vacuum goes to its little uh, charging stand. And I mean, this thing, I, I sent you some, some pictures and, and screenshots. Um, this thing is, is, it works really, really well. Like on paper, it seems super gimmicky. And that was, um, that was always the main hesitation from the, the lady friend and I is that like on paper, it seemed like a really neat idea. Um, but it just, um, there was a lot of questions about whether it would actually work because it just seems like one of those things that like totally wouldn't <laughs> or not work like nearly as well as, as, um, as you would want it to. Um, and the other big thing too, that's changed is that this thing was like, I think $1,100 when it first came out, um, two, three years ago. And it's, gone down significantly in price that's what i was gonna ask because it's like 7.99 i remember when it came out everybody was like oh yeah that's really novel but not for eleven hundred dollars exactly so it was really expensive when it came out and yeah the the going rate has been 7.99 but irobot did a sale back in may where this actually came down to 6.99 and so that's that's where that's where we got in on it like this stuff. <laughs> exactly. And uh, oh god. I just I I just was going to say before we get into the details. I mean it 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 works great. I mean it it really does. Like the the self-emptying works exactly as advertised. It's a huge feature for us because um our other furry housemate, you know, he he sheds quite a bit, especially this time of year. And the main issue we had with with our previous Roomba is, you know, I mean, it would fill up, you know, it would take a couple of hours to do the whole house, but it would be full in like 20 minutes, if not less. And you can set it for it to continue to, to clean until it finishes its job, uh, even if it's full, but it it starts to do a, a, you know, a very poor job of cleaning when the, when the bin is full and and the... The i7 is is really smart where if it if the bin fills up, it goes back to its base, it empties, and then it resumes its job, which is which is really, really nice. So I'm reading on the product page that apparently it can work in parallel or in sequence with the the mopping robot. <laughs> it can, yeah. But that is not a, that is not on the table yet. That the the mop robot is it's is expensive. It's like another four hundred dollars, I think. Um, and we actually have, so they, they sold a, a, a mopping robot prior to the current one that they sell, the one that works in, in tandem with the i7 plus. And, um, we do actually have that because it, it was on a, like a black Friday sale a year or two ago for, I think around like a hundred dollars or something. And, you know, it, it works so so and i i suspect the the more modern one works better but mopping just i don't know it doesn't seem like it's quite um quite as well suited for a robot like this as as vacuuming is got it 
Uh, and then one quick question before you go into the details. Is this any quieter than the previous generations or is it overall still mostly the same? It is so much quieter. And that's actually not something that I really even thought of. So we have the the Roomba, I think it's the 680 we have. Um, and we still have it because, so the, you know, the way our house is set up is there's one room of the house, which there's a, a step to get down into, like from the, the rest of the structure, because it, it's actually, it was previously the garage and it was converted into, into living space uh, years ago. And so, <laughs> as you know, Carlos, Roombas can't, um, can't uh, go down steps. <laughs> they, they view them as cliffs. Uh, again, we talked about my hack that makes a Roomba fearless where it will go over cliffs, but it will it will definitely not get back up. Exactly. So we still have that that other Roomba and we're we're using it in that other room, which is fantastic now because now we can have that Roomba take care of that space and then this new one take care of the rest of the house. Um but where where was I going with that? Well, did you have a question? Who am I? I, I was asking just because I, I actually don't use my Roomba that much because it is kind of loud. Oh, the and noise. I was asking, is it Thank quieter? You. And you Thank confirmed you. that the, it was quieter. And then I, I lost my train of thought. This, the 680 is is very loud. Very, very loud. Uh-huh. Um, the i7, because again, I hadn't even like thought about this. So when we ran it the first time, I like thought it was like broken. Because they just like was basically making no noise, so I was like, "Is this like even like doing anything, or is it just rolling around?" But like, no, it, it it's totally like it's totally working, and it's super super quiet. I mean, it's still you know it's it's a vacuum, right? So it's not silent, but it's 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 got to be well less than half as loud as the as the other Roomba that we have, or at the very least, as long as it's a, it's a deeper sound that is that that does the job it's just a more pleasant sound i guess okay so you go into the tech details so yeah so there were there were two main features that we were interested in specifically with the i7 the first is what i've been talking about which is the the self um emptying bin and that that works really really well and actually just to kind of like close the close the loop on that you know the the bag that goes in the um the disposal bin or the, the like the disposal base it lasts a really long time it lasts like a couple of months with normal use and you can buy third party ones that are super cheap so that's that's really nice but then the second feature um that we love and is the other reason we got this robot is because you can have it map your house and then you can actually label each room in your house. And so what that means is that you can have the Roomba just vacuum specific areas of the house as opposed to to everything, which is super, super convenient if you just want to quickly vacuum, you know, one or two um areas of the house and that that whole setup which i think they call like their smart map is really really well designed you can give rooms just generic names you can even give them custom names you can set virtual barriers so like for example with madeline's room there's a rug in there that it it can't really go over it it just gets stuck 
And so, you know, normally what you've done with Roombas in the past is you have to get one of those little like tower things that you put on the floor and it, it like shoots an invisible laser across that, you know, tells the Roomba, Hey, don't, don't cross this, but you can actually through the smart map functionality, you can actually just set that on the map itself and tell the Roomba not to, not to ever go to a certain area of the house. And you don't need to worry about setting up those little virtual barrier things. So does that work when like 100% of the time where the lighthouses are completely no longer needed? Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So that's, that's super, super cool. Um, you can not only clean specific areas, you can actually clean them in specific orders. I mean, that, you know, not quite as, as useful, like cleaning the kitchen before the living room or vice versa doesn't usually matter, but still kind of a, just a good example of how well thought out this feature is and how kind of fully capable it is. Um, and then the other really neat thing is that it's all, it's all hooked into the lady in a can. So you can literally say, you know, Hey, uh, well, I'm not going to say her name here. Um, ask, you know, ask iRobot to clean the kitchen and entryway and it'll just it'll just clean those two spaces and it actually you don't even have to specify which Roomba because it knows that there's only one that's capable of cleaning specific areas like that so yeah I mean the the two things we really wanted it for the self-cleaning bin and the the smart map feature both just work really really well and, you know, most importantly, it's also a, a really good vacuum. Interesting that it's only five ninety nine if you don't need or want the, um, uh, apparently it's called an evacuation deck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm on the, uh, the Roomba subreddit, and apparently people are excited that you can buy a second one separately now. Yeah, you can, I guess, I think when sold individually, I think they're like 250 so you basically save like 50 bucks by bundling it in with the vacuum. Um, when I was looking, because we we initially thought maybe about just buying the vacuum and then buying the, the self-cleaning bin later. Again, mostly because we were skeptical about how well it, it would work. Um, but we, we found at least a couple of months ago that that self-cleaning bin was basically impossible to find. Like it was sold out pretty much everywhere. So because there was that extra sale going on and everything, we just decided to kind of buy everything at once. And then, sorry, uh, another selfish question. Do you, uh, which model did you have previously? Or do you still have? I, th I think it's the, it's the 680. We bought it from Costco. So, you know, they do the thing where it's like... Is it the one that you told me to buy? I guess, you know, you know what it is. I think, I think it's like 680 is like the the model number available everywhere else but then the costco one is the 685 but it's, it's literally the same model it's just it's the costco one can you put it in omnifocus tomorrow or sometime soon to do a noise comparison or not a comparison but just like do like a, a five second video of each because yeah this the 680 is very loud yeah i, I could i could do that yeah, the 680 is very, very loud, and the i7 is much quieter. And maybe even more importantly, um, the i7 makes the absolute best noises. Wait, it's, it's got new noises? It's got new ringtones? Oh, yeah, totally new noises. Uh, and they're way, way better than the, the 680. So this is the, the OS X Big Sur of Roombas. Exactly, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and the only other reason why potentially upgrading this might be nice is I assume with the room mapping, it's going to do way less just bouncing into walls as its primary navigation method. It's it's super, super cool when you have it just vacuum a specific area because it leaves its base and it literally just goes to the area. Like it doesn't bump around. It like very logically and smartly um, um, goes to exactly where it's supposed to go. Um, and I don't know if you noticed this in the the picture that I sent you about where we have ours located, but it's you're you're supposed to have the area around the base like pretty clear. I think you're supposed to have like two feet on either side, and I think you're supposed to have like four or five feet um, in front or behind, I guess, depending on how you're oriented uh, from the base, so that the, you know the robot has plenty of room to to get back onto the base. We don't have that at all. I mean, we have a chair right next to it, and then we have a bench that's pretty close to the to, to the part of the base where the robot has to 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 go back in into the base, and it totally just figures it out. Like it's actually really cool to watch it every time, like navigate that space and and very smartly um, go home. So yeah, the, the the navigation is is quite a bit smarter than um, than the six eighty. I mean, it as it's cleaning, it it will still bump around a little bit, but but it's clearly more. But most um, of its logic isn't basically oh well, I can't move in that direction, and eventually it just goes home. Like because that's how the, the the other one's very very dumb or very rudimentary in how it moves around. No, and it, it, this and this what's cool too is that it actually um, it shows its work where after each time it cleans you can pull open your smart map and it will show you you know square foot or square inch by square inch exactly uh, where it cleaned and then i guess the last question here is how do you have to manually retrain it if furniture moves doesn't seem so i've i've actually been curious about that myself because god especially with all the all the things we have shipped to the house now like we constantly just have you know packages that that arrive and then we you know maybe don't get to for like a day or two and, and then we'll we'll run the Roomba in between and so there'll be boxes or whatever else around and and no that that doesn't that doesn't seem to bother it. You basically there's basically a setup process with the smart map where you can actually set it into this um, mode where it it's not actually vacuuming it's it's just you know scooting around and it's mapping the house. And during those, I think you have to do that like two or three times, I think it's depending on like the size of your house. Um, during those, it asks you to, you know, basically have the, the floor like as clear as it can be. So I guess from that point forward, it, it sort of knows what its ideal condition is. And then it, it just kind of works around obstacles as they come up. Got it. Okay. Well, slick deal deal alert for Roomba i7 added. Yeah, it's um it's really nice. Um although I guess maybe one final note on sound. So the vacuum very 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 quiet. Oh, yeah, uh sorry, the subreddit says that it it is uh, an unsettling and extremely <laughs> loud emptying noise. It is shocking how loud the um self-emptying function is. Like it, it's I'll if if I remember I'll I'll try to capture that too. Like it is really really loud <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, but it was so I was going to well, actually I was going to say, oh well, it doesn't do it that often. Actually, it probably does. The whole thing is that the like the the bag that you load into the evacuation thingy um that holds like 10 loads oh no way way more than that i think Mm. it's like 60 or something because it sort of like compresses everything that comes in there Mm. um yeah, I mean, we, like, a normal run, I think, of ours around the house, like, depending on how much dog hair and stuff there is, I, I think it goes home probably at least, like, two or three times each time, we, if, if, assuming we have it, like, clean the whole house. You let it ride its bike around the block and then come back. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and we've, you know, we've had it since May, so we've we've basically had it little over two months i think at this point and i've i've only replaced that bag once and 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 we've we run it a lot like we try to run it maybe not quite every day but you know every other day or so gotcha cool all right um do you have so i didn't watch any of this do you have much uh because today which is February, I mean, what what month is it? July 29th. Uh, This was the day that there were the congressional hearings on antitrust related to big tech. I've watched almost none of it and uh, have read very little about it. Do you have much to say here or do we just want to let it shake out and maybe talk about it next week or not at all? We can maybe see if anything interesting comes out in the next week because I, I don't think there's anything particularly noteworthy to talk about now. I... I had it on in the background today. I mean, it it went on for like like six hours or something. So, I mean, obviously, I, I didn't just sit there and watch the whole thing. So, I just had kind of had it on in the background. And on the TV or on your computer? On my computer. Um, there's there's no TV here in the office, Carlos. I'm not a I'm not some I'm not some monster like you that's got yeah. a, a TV. I was, I was trying to catch you in a do as I say, not as I do type situation. But no, 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 you no. passed. Uh, if you could do me a favor, um, uh, it is the link from 5.16 PM inside of our ideas folder. Uh, this is a crossover from a recommendation from a couple of weeks ago, uh, where Mike Isaac for the times did a thing where he basically did a room rates on the home offices of, uh, Bezos, Cook and Zuckerberg and, uh, Sundar. So yeah, it's pretty good. I think Zuckerberg got a four out of ten because, oh, but, uh, it, and Gruber had a thing on Twitter about this where Tim's setup was probably intentionally boring so that people would just forget it ever happened because it can't be too nice. But um, yeah, his plants are super dead, <laughs> and somebody's because that's one thing that room rates always uh, opines upon is you need some color and you need some plants. And it wasn't on this Mike Isaac thing, but somebody put on there that uh for the love of god will somebody water tim apple's plants because they are <laughs> they look really really bad like he he is it he, i guess i'm in good company maybe because we're the only two that know how to kill succulents but we're doing it the the other thing about zuckerberg's setup is sweet baby rays <laughs> oh can you put can you put that in the show notes as well oh, somebody 
I th- so Joanna Stern had a thing where she was, uh, uh, like I said, it was like peak 2020 energy where you had a whole bunch of tech CEOs swearing in over a web conference uh, for antitrust. Uh, oh, and then, um, what was the other? It was something else, but it was, it was a good tweet. But um, somebody did a, 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 a smart edit where they did, they replaced his testimony with a video <laughs> where astute listeners will remember from me. It was either 2016 or 2018 where Zuckerberg was doing this whole like tour across America to get to know real people and to like everybody in the media was writing about it as though he was going to run for president. Cause I guess maybe 18 months ago, people didn't hate him or his company nearly as much. I like, I, I think it makes a big difference whether it was 2016 or 2018 when that happened. But as part of it, one weekend he did from his house in Palo Alto, he was making brisket and ribs or something. And somebody did a super cut of the video where I think he was, he said the brand sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce, like literally 25 times in, in the span of like an hour in this weird live stream. So yeah, some uh, crafty Twitter person replaced his testimony with, um, uh, like a fake conversation of him talking to the senders about, hey, you making brisket tonight or something? And it was pretty, pretty damn good. And I, I do have to admit that for the first about 10 seconds of watching this video when you sent it to me, I had to ask myself, wait, did this really happen? Because the, the hearing today really did go off the rails a couple of times. And I, again, I didn't quite, I didn't hear every word of it. So I really did have to go, wait, this didn't really happen. Today. Yeah. I mean, everything happened separately. But like it wasn't like a deep fake or something. But it, it did not happen today. No, no, no. Um, but no, it's it's I I laughed quite a bit when you sent this to me. So this will be in the notes. Yeah. So anyway, we'll we'll, we'll see if next week if anything actually comes of this, or if we will all have forgotten about it by because of some like Friday afternoon news dump, and that's it. I think my two big takeaways, which I'm I'm stealing from other places, is one. Only maybe half the questions, probably not even that many, were actually antitrust related. A lot of the questions ended up being basically just kind of the dumping ground for every grievance that, you know, each member of the house had with these tech companies, whether it was their business in China or the supposed, you know, censoring of conservative stories or i mean there was all kinds of you know non-antitrust topics brought up well isn't that what it always is where they they're using their three to five minutes to basically grandstand and just get whatever talking points and, and sound bites they want to run in a, like a re-election ad yeah like they're not actually it, looking it, exactly. to get something done like so like sometimes some democrats and some savvy uh republicans will do that but generally it's just a bunch of it's a bunch of nonsense um there, there, there's a whole lot of silliness, but yeah, I, again, I think overall nothing came of it. The one thing that I don't totally know, but there was a thing, and I'll I'll throw it in the in the DM, and you can put it in the show notes. But the Verge had a thing, like both Bloomberg and the Verge had a couple of scoops, which I'm not sure if this was released by Congress people, like based off of their discovery and the stuff that they required that, um these ceos submit but like they like over the past two days there have been actually a number of articles about both facebook and amazon 
uh, doing some sketchy stuff or some anti-competitive stuff with Instagram and with Amazon. It was with their acquisition of diaper, the parent company of diapers.com, where basically they sought to destroy the the market position of diapers.com before taking over the parent company. And uh, Zuckerberg basically in internal email stating specifically that he viewed um, the acquisition of Instagram as an easy way to neutralize a competitor or neutralize a threat. So yeah, so that that's the only thing that came out of this, which wasn't actually from the hearings itself. Uh, but there have been a fair number of news stories tangentially related to this that are actually worthwhile. And whether or not this actually gets manifested in actual policy uh, remains to be seen as probably very, very unlikely. But yeah. Well, that, so that was actually the, the, the second thing that my second biggest takeaway, which is there, there were some interesting moments that specifically did relate to, I think, some important antitrust concerns and issues. But the problem with the format of this hearing is the issues between, you know, the, the four companies present today are super different from one another. Like Apple's, you know, anti-competitive behavior is very different than Facebook's, which is very different from Amazon's, which is also then different from Google's. So having these four CEOs in a room all at once just didn't really make a lot of sense because the the specific issues being being brought up when antitrust actually was focused on was so different between each of the companies that the whole thing just ended up being really um, even more uh, disjointed than it already was, just given by all the different um, directions that went with various topics that were being brought up. Well, yeah, because if you think about the last time they had the dog and pony show and they they dragged uh, Zuckerberg to Capitol Hill, like they, it, it, they've made it clear that Congress doesn't understand how to formulate questions and understand the business model of a single company, yet let alone three or four companies at the very, very same time, even if tangentially all of the concerns that are being raised are maybe fall under the umbrella of antitrust, but no, I mean, you're exactly right where the ways that Apple abuses its market position. And I say that in, in, as a, as a fact, because it is, they do. Um, and the way that Google does that with dominance in search and advertising and the way that Facebook does it by basically just copying competitors and um, the, op- it's opacity, right? When you can't see into something, I think so. I was I always mix up opacity and transparency. Uh, the opacity with which their algorithm and the ranking methods of like the newsfeed can um, distort speech and other things like that online. So yeah, no, that's that's a very that's a very astute point. Yeah, so that, that kind of that undermined even the the moments where I thought there were some good questions being asked. They going from one ceo to the next like there was no there was no kind of like constant thread that was tying everything together because i mean a good question about the app store in apple's case is super different than like counterfeit products on amazon and so bouncing back and forth between those different things was just it just it just was strange yeah all right, and to wrap up, there was one story we actually there's not much to get into here, but you can throw in the show notes where um 
uh, AMC and Universal have struck a deal to shorten the window before which feature movies can go directly to streaming platforms. Like I remember there being a whole dust up in the um in the, I, this sounds more profound than it is in the in, in the aftermath of Trolls World Tour being moved to to streaming rather quickly once the pandemic hit where I think like AMC was posturing being like oh yeah we will refuse to show any universal movies ever again because they've pulled this or some nonsense like that. We're just like everything in in, in life it's a negotiation but uh, apparently they have made it where digital rentals and streaming services the window instead of being like what was what did it used to be like three months or something I where it's think now so, down yeah. to like two or three weeks right yeah typically 70 to 90 days was the window before it could go elsewhere that is now down to 17 days amc has a streaming service <laughs> yeah I, I noticed that too <laughs> uh well yeah yeah, I mean, I think when you and I had spoken about this a, a couple of months ago, we sort of left it with a conclusion that a lot of the changes that were going to be made were really just going to be driven by how long the you know our current situation is going to last. And I, I think the the longer the longer it drags out, the more changes like this we're going to see because I mean, studios can't delay movies indefinitely like you know um warner's been dealing with this with their new christopher nolan movie tenant which they've delayed a million times and they've now have just indefinitely delayed disney's been doing the same thing with mulan um you know eventually eventually these studios are going to have to figure something else out um and what I'm going to be most interested in, and this applies well beyond movies, and I think you know, we could maybe turn into a, a topic in a future show at some point, which is what what changes we're seeing now are going to just be temporary during the pandemic and which are going to stick around even after things get back to normal. That's a, that's a really interesting um, thought exercise, as, as you're famous for saying. Mm-hmm. All right. Chef special time? Yeah, let's do it. I, I already gave mine, so this is all oh, you. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Let me... I'm all out of sorts. Uh, so I have two this week, maybe? Hold on. Oh, yes, I do have two this week. Okay. So I have two. So I, I have, in, during quarantine and just all this stuff, I have been turning over a lot of like household things that are just kind of have been like just mishmash of things that I have collected like between moves where like, I mean, normally my technology stuff is like fairly up to date, but like housewares and and, like betting and stuff like is generally very old and not consistent. So there are two things. So there's a lot of stuff that I've replaced recently, but two things that I wanted to highlight on. And these are basically endorsements of wire cutter picks. So the first one is food storage. Um, nope, nope, that's not what it is. Okay, so it's under on the wire cutter. It is under the the title "The Best Dry Food Storage Containers." So first, I can endorse this. So they are called the Rubbermaid Brilliance Pantry Food Storage Containers. So they are great. Uh, formerly I'd made a chef special of, uh, there's a company out based out of New Zealand 
uh, called Systema that I previously given the nod to, and I would like to do something unprecedented in these unprecedented times. I would like to rescind that endorsement because those containers are a sham and a lie because they are not airtight whatsoever. So you can put in like uh, a five pound bag of flour and it does not, it does not hold the way you'd expect it to because it just, it's not a tight seal. Same thing with cereal and things like that, where just you're going to get stuff that's stale fairly quickly. So even though they look pretty and they're well-reviewed, they are not very good dry food storage containers. Whereas the Rubbermaid Brilliance ones are fantastic. They have a thick uh, rubber seal to keep it airtight. It's liquid tight. They are like really, like they're really clear. Whereas like, you know, like most frosted plastic and things like that kind of are Again, with the word, there's an opacity to them that makes it kind of difficult to see what's inside, or or it's, it's just not that pretty. These are very, very crystal clear. They're durable. They're nice. And again, super airtight. They come in a ton of different sizes. Um, so yeah, huge, huge fan of these. And I will recommend, have I already given a recommendation of Beyond Plus? Uh, the Bed Bath & Beyond thing? Yeah. You have. I don't know if you made it formerly a chef special but you've had some very good things to say about it well so i'm I'm gonna double down on that because like again i got that it's a 30 dollars a year loyalty program that bed bath and beyond has and it's then that's normally not a store i would shop at that much but i got it initially to get a discount on the breville espresso machine but it's just a really good discount where basically you just get like uh, an in perpetuity 20 percent off bed bath and beyond coupon and for certain name brand household and kitchen items that are going to be the same price pretty much everywhere like i mean sure if you go on amazon and you're just buying like just that no name like random stuff that's just drop shipped from wherever like that stuff is always gonna be super cheap but if you're looking for name brand things like oxo stuff and breville and um simple human and like in these rubbermaid brilliance containers like those are kind of the same price everywhere and yeah, you can save basically twenty percent all the time at Bed Bath and Beyond. So it's I I have made out like a bandit with that um, thirty dollars subscription. So it's great. Free standard shipping too. Yeah, their standard shipping is it is definitely not Amazon level. <laughs> it is FedEx ground, and it takes like and again I I, I understand like warehouse like air, air, stuff's weird right now, but yeah, it takes about three days, three business days for anything to leave the warehouse, and it's FedEx ground from wherever it happens to be. So if, if the warehouse is close, it's not that bad, but like um, the Rubbermaid Brilliance cereal containers that I got, which were the last thing to kind of complete my collection, those were, um, those came from New Jersey. So those literally took like nine days to get them, but whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh uh, yeah. So I, I highly recommend both the containers and that um, uh, Beyond Plus thing. It is not a streaming service. It is a loyalty program. And then actually, I'm going to save the other pick for a rainy day. So we will actually just leave it at that. 